good to see all of you here tonight as we dig a little deeper into the exact same passage, those of you who are relatively new to us. These are, are things that uh, Sunday morning we, we just don't have time to get into, so we call this uh, Digging Deeper, and we've entitled this one, Who Stole My Handkerchief? And uh, one of the things I'd like to do as we start out is get feedback from, from you. So um, in a moment when we ask for any questions, observations, or applications, just raise your hand and they will uh, run a microphone to you. So with that being said, let's, let's move into that time. In fact, let's just advance this so we can at least have the whole text up here. Here's the text from this morning. And um, before we have a word of prayer, what, what are some observations, applications, thoughts, or just some things that stood out to you this morning? Anyone at all? Just raise your hand. Okay, we got a couple over here. Um, you got this uh, second one. If you want to head over to Jeff, that would be great. Yeah. Got to get my note out. <laughs> um. I was drawn to the fact that um, not so much has happened between the, th- that time and the time that we are in now. Um, we still have false prophets. The libraries and the bookstores are full of books that tell us who to believe, how to believe, when to stand, how to pray, and people get sucked up into it Mm -hmm. because they're looking for something. Mm -hmm. And when these people, these seven sons of this Jewish uh, priest priest, uh, decided to follow in Paul's footsteps and uh, take on uh, and invoke the name of Christ into their uh, rituals, Mm -hmm. it didn't uh, end up too good for them. (laughs) No. And I, I keep thinking that, you know, people that do things like this, I, I don't understand why they do that, why they try to invoke the name of Jesus into their, into their religion. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess they're so blinded by the fact that they are making money off of it or they want the recognition or something like that, but... Uh, not, not a whole lot has changed between that incident and the incidents that are happening in this day and age. And we have to really watch out for the fact that we cannot manipulate Christ into doing what we want him to do mm-hmm. and f- to use his name for our own good mm-hmm. and profit. No, I appreciate that. In fact, I'm going to borrow from what you said. It seems here that you brought up the subject of, of making money. And I'm going to summarize also what they're doing there, pragmatism. Tell me if pragmatism for the sake of making money hasn't translated into our day and age, especially within the church. So excellent point. Jeff. Hi. Hi, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) I was really taken back on the $5 million worth of book burning you were talking about this morning. Which, by the way, we are not going to have a book burning (laughs) time together here. The optics would look bad. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, it was just amazing. Like Anything written down back then was valuable. So they just took it all and burned it in the streets. And it must have been quite a sight. Yeah. $5 million. Yeah. That's quite a commitment. Anyone else? I see Steve Poling 
back here. Anyone after Steve so we can preemptively move? Okay, we have Ozzy up here for the next mic. Okay, Steve? Uh, there are two things that the uh, Jewish uh, exorcists impressed me with. Uh, the first was they are a fulfillment of prophecy. Uh, for our Lord tells us that uh, in the last days there will be people saying, hey, I prophesied in your name and I cast out demons and did all these other one thing, wonderful things. Mm. And our Savior will say, I never knew you. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is, uh, it, it, is, it, it is good to look for the fulfillment of Scripture in Scripture. And that was, the, that was the, the first thing I noticed. The second thing I noticed was that these, uh, these Jewish exorcists were taking the name of the Lord in vain. Uh, and uh, usually when you think of taking the Lord's name in vain, you think of using bad words. But taking the Lord, you know, using the name of God in a useless fashion, in an empty fashion, is exactly what these religion users were doing, but without any uh, grasp of the substance of who Jesus was or, or his actual power. Those are the two things that struck me. Excellent. Thank you, Steve. Um, we'll go Ozzy, and then we'll go um, Miss Hurd. Morgan. Morgan Hurd. All right, but Ozzy, you're up. Uh, along the same lines of, you know, dealing with the exorcist here, um, it's interesting that all throughout the Bible, Whenever someone has tried to use the name of Jesus in a wrong way, it turns out badly. Um, And that this is also a reminder to us that those who work for Satan know exactly who Jesus is. And they know exactly whether or not you do. And sometimes I think we try to uh, fight on our own, and that's a losing battle, um, just as these events too. Um, you know, you need to come each day with Christ in front of you and his word in your heart, knowing full well that um, you can um, repel Satan's uh, attacks and be able to stand up to them if you know truly who Jesus is and Jesus is your Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ozzy. I appreciate that. Morgan. Um, I appreciate it. Wow, that was loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I appreciate how you said that um, true repentance is the turning away of sin, not just when it's found out, but before it is, because that shows the true work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and it's the evidence of the love that we have for God um, and how they specifically turned away from their sin on their own, and that showed their true repentance. Mm -hmm. And what struck me, if I can borrow from that, and I'm agreeing with you, is that when they repented, they repented in such a way that it, it was very difficult, if not impossible, to go back to that sin. And I have a tendency to repent and maybe put it on the shelf and um, because I, I still have that, that love for my sin, if you will. So I, that really hit me hard this week as well. Thank you, Morgan. Anyone else? Observations, questions, applications, things that strike. Okay, we have a silhouette over here. I'm sorry, the window behind you. Um, right over here, we have a hand, Drew. I, sir, I met you this morning. Yeah. What's that? 
Blakemore. Dick Blakemore. Dick Blakemore. Yeah. Blakemore. Dana, Got it. Dana and Thomas's were her. Oh yeah, from Dana yeah, and father, Thomas from Faith yeah, and Deeds. Mother. Yeah. Yes. All right. So you're you're not a member here, right? No. Okay. Please take the mic away from him. No, I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. It's all yours, but you have to hold it upside down if you're yeah. not a member. Yeah. Go ahead. What's up? Yeah, I was thinking of Plubius. I think it uh, was his name. Yes, where uh, Peter was laying on hands and people were receiving the Holy Spirit, and he was kind of a magician anyway, and he wanted to give money to Peter so that he would have this yeah. ability. So you have kind of, I don't know whether you'd call him a false teacher or, or, or such. Peter uh-huh. kind of <laughs> rebuked, uh, him. rebuked him yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, so you have cases like that, you know, that yeah. for their own personal gain instead of, you know, for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dick. I appreciate that. Anyone else? Officers thing? Uh, yes, we have Laura over here. Laura, does this involve omega-3 oils in any way? Okay, give Laura a, uh, that's from two weeks ago. <laughs> what do you got, Laura? Um, I just thought it was interesting, the whole thing about the God is not a buffet item or an a la carte item to other religions. Mm-hmm. He's the only way, John 14, 6. So. Amen. <laughs> the only way. Anyone else? Okay, we have Abby here in the back. Anyone after Abby? This is great. If you keep it long enough, I won't even talk. We'll close on a word of prayer. And we'll just, no, Abby. <laughs> what, did I hear a second? Is that what I heard? Abby, you're up. Pay no attention to them. Um, I, this morning it struck me I, how many times in my work I deal with some people who um, struggle with addiction and how I've counseled them, you know, if there's a certain way home that you go that tempts you to go to the liquor store or certain friends you have, you know, you need to find something different, a different route. But how often in our own lives with sin issues, we don't make that much drastic change, but it's just as tempting, it's just as pulling. But what do we need to, you know, the people burn their books, like what, what do I need to do to make that change, you know, mm-hmm. so that it's not as tempting to fall into that same habit? How many here ever go on a diet but don't get rid of the junk food in your home? Anyone at all? How's that work for you? It does not work for me. Similar concept there. Yeah, we need to purge it. Anyone else? Thoughts? Applications? Going once. Oh, we got one right over here. Okay. I just appreciated the spirit moving to bring people forward that it seemed like the lord was really working in hearts and i appreciated that wish i kind of wish we'd had a prayer you know like billy graham does okay we're going to pray this prayer (laughs) to to receive the lord but um but it was good 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 thank you appreciate that anyone else oh we have deanne all right Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Context. Very important. What is God revealing about himself to us? Anyone else? Yes, right over here. Stacy. And 
Matthew. Nailed it. It'll never happen again. All right, so just soak that, soak that up right there. Now, Stacy, what do you have? Oh, we had a really good conversation at, over lunch about how, especially to our kids, what stuck out was the handkerchiefs and the aprons and how they t- um, the Lord used a pagan belief and tradition to advance the gospel and how he can take something that's meant for evil and work it for good. Amen. Amen. Excellent point. Anyone else? Applications, thoughts that stood out? Okay, it's let's open a word of prayer and we'll walk through this. Gracious Lord, uh, reveal uh, from your word that which the Holy Spirit wants us to see. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that are fertile to absorb the truth of your word so that we might grow in our love and walk for you. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. Okay, why don't we advance the slide, and we're going to kind of summarize this so that we can create a little bit more room. So this is the whole passage, but it's summarized here. Starting out with extraordinary miracles, which means they're out of the ordinary. Even Luke says, hey, (laughs) this is highly unusual by the hands of Paul, so that handkerchiefs and aprons were even being stolen, carried away, or taken from his body to the sick. Now this morning we talked about how God, in fact, Stacy just brought this up, how God used their culture um, of believing inanimate objects could contain and pass the power um, from other powerful people. Does everyone kind of track with what I'm saying there? Okay, objects passing power. We talked about how God graciously used the pagan belief that was found within Ephesus that Eusebius taught us um, to draw them to, the, to his messenger Paul and the gospel that he has been teaching in the lecture hall for many, many months now. But an important point that I, I really didn't touch on this morning is that one of the primary, I'm going to say one of, the primary reasons God is doing these miraculous things in these miraculous and extraordinary way is to authenticate the message of Paul. You have a lot of people in Ephesus teaching, a lot of people healing, a lot of people casting out demons, a lot of people proclaiming their truth. You know, you got your truth, I got my truth. So how do you differentiate between all these teachings and all of these magicians and sorcerers and exorcists? God is authenticating the message of Paul. Um, It's important to understand that, remember, there's no New Testament at this time. They have the Old Testament scriptures. Everything is new on this side of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So God provided extraordinary, incontrovertible evidence to say, I want you to listen to this man. I want to highlight him over all others that his teaching is correct and not everyone else's. Today, we have the completed New Testament as the complete enclosed authoritative word of God. And these kind of wonders are not, and I'm just going to use the word normative. I find that to be a safe word. I think that word is a fair word, are not normative for us today, especially with the complete completion of God's word. And they're not needed to be pursued as such today. 
It's important to remember that apart from Stephen and Philip, now this kind of stuck out to me, that apart from Stephen and Philip, which are the only two who are not apostles to perform sign gifts or wondrous miracles, and they, frankly, they worked very closely with the other apostles, there are no sign gifts recorded in the entire New Testament by anyone other than the apostles. Anyone other than the apostles. And by the way, they diminish in frequency as the New Testament comes to completion. So I just want to make sure that we highlight what God is doing here. And by the way, when there was a miraculous sign gift, when there was healing or there was all of these things, it was for the sole purpose of confirming the message of salvation. Notice what the handkerchiefs and the aprons are doing here. They are, they are um, confirming the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're not, they're not to get seed gifts in order to promote a particular ministry. Another thing that kind of stands out here is you'll notice that when reading the Word of God, that miraculous sign gifts are not uniformly sprinkled into everyday life throughout the New Testament. It wasn't, hey, we're doing this on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. No, they were clustered within the Word of God, and usually during very key moments. Now, why do I say this? I say this to give an overarching general um, instruction on these things, but... um, not to diminish them at all. The next words I want you to see here is, he says this, they say this, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. This was brought up by some of you already. Notice they have no interest in Jesus being their Lord. They have no interest in being a disciple of Jesus Christ. They're not interested in knowing him or loving him. They are interested in seeking and tapping into his power and benefits. Uh, You brought this up a little bit later. For money's sake, for pragmatism's sake. They're only interested in tapping into the power and benefits. People who want the power and the benefits without the repentance and without the discipleship. I was, I was talking to a gentleman uh, this week. He said these people could quite possibly be brought on staff on many large evangelical churches today. What works and what fills the coffers? Not long ago, there was a gentleman who was visiting Trinity here. By not long ago, I say a couple years ago. He was visiting uh, Trinity here, and he was from Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, he was from a ministry family, and we were talking shop. And by ta- what does it mean when you talk shop? Talk to me. What does it mean? Talking about each other's church. All right. You're talking about, like, if you were with another mechanic, you're talking shop, you're talking about cars, or delivery for that case, um, or whatever the case may be. So we were talking shop, which, i.e., church, and he said to me, you know, Pastor, the bottom line is the church is a business like everything else. Pragmatism. Money. And he went on to say, and this is a direct quote, I did not manipulate it in any way, shape, or form. You have to give people what they want. You have to tell them what they want to hear. You have to provide the services or they will simply go somewhere else. It got kind of quiet. <laughs> got kind of quiet between the two of us, and I said, I, I, I got to disagree with you. I don't believe the church is a business. In fact, Second Timothy says that the church is a pillar of truth, a pillar of truth of God to people. And the moment we give people what they want over what God has deemed and told us, the moment we are in a business of pragmatism rather than church, and we are in the business of trying to grow a business, Frank, truth of the matter is, we've already left the church. 
kind of stayed quiet there. The bottom line, what we see here, is these guys are involved in pragmatism. They used whatever worked to advance their following. They didn't believe in living in submission to God's word. They believed in submitting God's word to what they wanted to accomplish. Let me say that again. They wanted to take God's word and force fit it into what they thought they wanted to accomplish. We see that in our own churches and trappings as well. Then you see the words here, that handkerchief and apron. I want to touch on this briefly um, with another biblical observation that we did not have time to get to this morning. It's important to understand that these sweat-soaked, smelly rags and aprons are a reminder of all of Paul's hard work as he shared the gospel over two years plus three months. What is that? That's at least 15 months. Now, I think all of you would understand, so I'm just going to say this really quickly. There's nothing magical about these rags. There's nothing special about them and the aprons in and of themselves. They were just symbols. They were just symbols. For example, I want you to think about Moses' staff or the rod that he carried. All right? There's nothing magical about that staff or rod in and of itself. Stedman says this, and I just want to read it to you. There was nothing magical about Moses' rod itself. It was a symbol of something about Moses which God honored. Grab that, which God honored with Moses. In the same way, these sweatbands and aprons are a symbol of what God honored in the honest, dignified labor of Paul. His labor of love, his labor of, of, of humility of heart, and God manifested his power through him. He goes on to say this. What God means to teach us by this moment is that it is through a person's heart that is so utterly committed and so utterly invested and and he's working hard in making the gospel available. God used such a man like Paul in his heart through this. So here's a quick question for us. Just a quick question. If God were to only use people based on their commitment, now God is not in a box. He can use whoever he chooses to. But in this question here, for the sake of of application, if God was only going to use people based on their commitment, their investment, and their hard work in the kingdom of God, how much would God be using you? How much would he be using me? How much would he be using us? How many sweatbands have we gone through? How many aprons are full of hard work as we are living out sharing the gospel and serving the bride of Christ? Just a question for us to ponder there. Now, we're going to get out a little early, all right? But we're going to end on kind of a fun historical note. I don't know that this is necessarily going to revolutionary your revolution what's the word I'm looking for? Revolutionize your life here. Maybe, I don't know. I doubt it. But I found it rather interesting. We talked this morning that these exorcists were what we would call syncretists, all right? And that they took terms. They they, they turned things into, Laura, you brought this up. They buffeted things. They took terms, concepts, deities, demigods, whatever it could, all from all different faiths, all different books, all different practices, and incorporated them into their own trade, if you will, their own proprietary trade. And it's important to understand that they believe that if you use the name of someone that was more powerful than the name of the one you are battling, it's almost like a, 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 and I never really got into this at all, but Dungeons and Dragons. If you have a more powerful sorcerer, he can defeat the less powerful sorcerer. 
That's kind of, if I could summarize that in a very simplistic way, if you have a powerful name, you can use that name to defeat someone with a lesser name. Now, with that understand, look at here. You see it in the text. They attempted to name, there it is, they attempted to name over those who had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus. We're going to take this powerful name, we're going to use it against lesser names. Now, I want you to hold on to that, okay? These men saw that demons were being expelled by the name of Jesus. Jesus' name, therefore, must be more powerful than the demons that are in their evil spirits in these people. Therefore, let's buffet, let's grab, let's part and parcel the name of Jesus and use it to our advantage. Now, hold on to that right there. Now, follow me here because this is going to get a little nerdy and interesting in a historical way. It says here, and many of those practiced magic. Yeah, here it. They practiced magic and their books together and began burning them. I want you to grab the word magic and I want you to grab the word books. They took out their books of magic, their spells. Now, we talked about this morning, this just gives us a little hint of how saturated Ephesus is in the occult that just the believers who place their faith in Jesus Christ go into the cupboards at home, all right, or under their beds, I don't know, and they open them up, and they didn't even, and Morgan, you brought this up, they didn't, they didn't even get caught with them, they, just, they, they wanted it out of their lives, and they bring out these, these books of spells and incantations. These books were scrolls in which spells were written with powerful names in them. And now I want to bring this historical fact that they, what they believed here. If they used the name of someone who is more powerful, we talked about that, than the name of the one you are battling, in a spell you could defeat your enemy. These facts are found within the text here. And by the way, not only are they found within the text here, and here's the fun, nerdy, historical part, they are found in extra-biblical sources written around the time of this as well. I want to read from, to you from an historical secular document written in the 2nd century A.D., which was written nearly 1,800 years ago in Greek. It is a propia. Dan, did I say that right? Papyri. It is in a papyri scroll, all right, of magic spells from pagan sorcerers that date back to the 2nd century A.D. And it is filled with spells, it's filled with formulas, it's it's filled with hymns and rituals. In fact, here is an actual picture of it from nearly 1,800 years ago, written in Koine Greek. And He's even scratching a little picture there. He must have been bored in class. I don't know, all right? But there you have it there. Now, everything that I've told you, name that is stronger, buffeting things, syncretists, using names, power, a proprietary blend of their trade. It's called the magic papyri of Gracia Magia. How do you like that? I have no idea if I pronounce that correct. However, that is. In fact... You'll see it in the abbreviation in a moment. Or it's called the Papyri of Paris. And I want to read from this papyri a magic spell. And you you can just relax. But what you're going to see here is how the Word of God has spilled over even into historical secular documents. 
from PGM 4.319, it says this. In this, I adjure you by the God of the Hebrews, Jesus Christus. Written in a sorcerer book of spells 1,800 years ago. Now, why in the world would I share this with you? What we have here is a secular, errant, historical document that has baked into it exactly what is happening here in Ephesus. Exactly what is happening here in Ephesus around 53 AD. Now, I don't know about you, the nerd in me goes, that's really super cool. We're not reading fiction when we read the book of Acts or the book of Ephesus. God's Word is not only inerrant and preserved in its 66 canonical books, but its historical accuracy in its truth kind of hemorrhages into secular works, making it very hard to deny the merit of God's Word. And by the way, I just want to add this. I want to encourage you, never meddle into the occult. Never meddle with the occult. Don't get into spells and incantations. Let us remember these believers are abandoning these practices because they have nothing to do with God and His truth. Now the final thing I want to kind of pull up here is this. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. This is a pet peeve of mine. I want you to notice here it does not say in the ministry of Paul or the ministry of the apostles. The word of the Lord is growing mightily. Notice Paul is not using this to promote himself. There is no proprietary blend going on here. Paul did not put his name on the handkerchiefs and send them out. He didn't put his name on the lecture hall. He did not highlight his healing services or tours that were coming out. He lived out the principle, here it is, Jesus must increase, finish it. We must what? Decrease. Again, that's why my name will never be on that sign out there. And I try to bury it as much as I possibly can because this is about the kingdom of Jesus Christ in his glory. So with all of that being said, we're going to peel back all this busyness and we're just going to let the pure text teach. And as I read through it, allow all that we've studied on Wednesday and Sunday and tonight just kind of backfill into it. And I'm going to provide a little bit of color commentary as I read through the text. And after around 15 months, God honored all of Paul's hard work and sweat with out of the ordinary, absolutely extraordinary. Even Luke doesn't really even know how to categorize this. Miracles by the hands of Paul with these unbelievable symbols, almost like Moses' rod, these unbelievable symbols of handkerchiefs and aprons that, by the way, are just filled with all of the DNA of his hard work, which really fit in to the culture of Ephesus at that time. In fact, so, so entrenched were they in the occult that people were carrying these inanimate 
objects away from his body to the sick because they believed power could be transferred through them. And it actually worked. The diseases left these people and the evil spirits went out. All the grace of God that he would draw attention to his gospel through the uneducated faith of a city filled with the occult. But, but even some of the Jewish exorcists who went from place to place with their proprietary blend attempting to make more money buffeted the name of Jesus Christ and attempted to name over those who had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus. Because after all, if a handkerchief can do it, surely they could. And they said, I adjure you, almost like that ancient uh, manuscript that we just read of the Papyri of Paris, I adjure you by the powerful name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And these overinflated eagle sons of, of, of Siva, who most likely didn't even earn that title, They just wanted to inflate their worth. After all, isn't that what they're doing? We're doing this. And the evil spirit and answer said to them, and this word recognize literally means respect and honor. I respect and honor Jesus, and I've heard of Paul, but who are you? And the man in whom had the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued them and beat them and overpowered them, and they fled out of the house naked and wounded. I think... I think Pauline, Dan Pauling brought up on Wednesday, what a beautiful example between the difference between a miracle and magic. And this became known to all, even Jews and Greeks, naked people running through the streets do that, who lived in this occult, saturated Ephesus. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but of the power and prince of powers and evil and darkness, he wrote in Ephesians. And fear, which is the beginning of wisdom, fell on them. And the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, not Paul, was magnified. He's still looking for his sweatbands. And more and more people are coming to the, to the hall of, of a tyrant. Many also of those who had believed kept coming. And they were confessing and disclosing things that people didn't even know. Especially sinful occult practices. And many of those who practiced magic brought out their books together and all of their spells and they began burning them because they didn't want one foot in and one foot out. They wanted to get it away from them. They didn't want to be able to return to it. In fact, they are giving up what they once trusted in order to have the treasure that is the trust in Jesus Christ. And they burned them in the sight of everyone. And so saturated was Ephesus with the occult that when they counted it all up, 50 thousand days worth of labor equivalent today five million dollars and you want to know what helped the or what the word of the lord was growing muddy and prevailing i would attach it to sure you could attach it to the former of the miracles but i'm going to tell you unadulterated true repentance of sins does mighty and prevailing things with the word of the lord in our lives there's a lot there in 10 verses. There's a lot there for our application today. Graciously, Heavenly Father, dismiss us with your blessing. Your word is powerful. It is unexhaustible. 
and it divides and it cuts and it heals. Father, may our worship be that our lives are a living sacrifice to you. Help us to love you so much. Impress upon our hearts to love you with all of our heart that we just purge the cabinets of our hearts of sin that we keep in the dark. One, because we fear you, and secondly, because we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and I pray for this my for, for me first. I pray for all of us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, my friends and family. You are dismissed. Take some time to fellowship with one another, but Lord willing, we'll see you soon.